Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. Acts, Acts 8, chapter, uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed and uh, possessed with them. And many taken with palsies and, and that were lame were healed. Verse 8, and there was great joy in that city. Jumping down to verse 12 of that same chapter. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Praise God. Someone say revival. Right? My words. Today, I want to to preach to you on this common phrase, all hands in. All hands in. Anyone a fan of team sports in here? I'm a, I love team sports. I love a, a great deal about them. And I remember as uh, I was growing up, I grew up in uh, Ohio. Ohio has a very kind of up and down group of sport teams, mostly down. <laughs> and but you you learn to love right I don't know if, if I can speak to anybody from Ohio you learn to love losers and you le- learn to love a, a, a group of people that tries hard you know A for effort there's a common saying growing up there's always next year right that was that's kind of the state motto I think when you're driving into the city or any of the state of Ohio there's always next year <laughs> So I've been a big Ohio fan. I grew up, you know, liking the Ohio State Buckeyes. You may have heard them. Um, I grew up also loving the Cleveland Indians. Always going to be my Cleveland Indians. Sorry, cancel culture. I grew up loving the Cleveland Browns, right? They, They finally got to the playoffs last year. You can't tell me that God's not real, okay? All right? I've uh, I, I've grew up loving the Cleveland Calves, and uh, I particularly loved watching that one year uh, that that team won the the championship, and that was such a wonderful moment for me in my life. And my my family was there to witness me act like an absolute child in the living room. Uh, I remember just pacing. My kids and my wife laugh at me because I, I'm the type that gets up and I'm pacing. I'm nervous. I have this firm belief. My, my daughter's laughing because it's so true. I have this firm belief that if I'm sitting, we're losing. And so most of the time, I'm always, I'm always standing up and I'm cheering you know, the team on. And I, I, I'm injecting myself in 
through that experience and, and I'm screaming and I'm, I'm like, that's it, get it. And, and, and I'm, I'm doing, you know, the moves. I'm just, I'm, I'm celebrating with everybody on the team. They score, I score. That's how I look at it. And I got to lift them up from Columbia, South Carolina. That's exactly what I do. And I remember that year that the Cleveland Cavaliers took on the best basketball team in history. 73 wins. Beat the record. Beat the Bulls record of having the most wins in a season. It looked bleak. It did not look like it was going to go well. My Cavs went into that finals with the Golden State Warriors and I thought, well, least we're there. There's always next year. Already I felt in my heart of hearts this is too grand of a task to see through. Of course, we were able to squeak out a victory in one of the one of the games. I thought, all right, we're heading down the right road, but soon after we just kept on losing. We had we were down and behind and they were up three wins and all they needed was one more. They just needed one more win and it was over. And I remember watching who is my favorite basketball player today. And he will always be my favorite basketball player of, of forever because of what he brought to that area. And as I watched him unimpressed, unmoved, unshaken in the press room and everyone saying, aren't you worried? He said, no, not really. I'm the greatest player in the world. I'm, I'm not worried about it whatsoever. I am worried. I screamed out to the, t uh, to the TV. I'm like, I appreciate you being the greatest player in the world, but I need you to be the greatest team in the world. And that's exactly what team sports are all about. It's not about one individual. It's about everybody on the team. And it's about bringing everybody together and finding that perfect unity and finding that togetherness, if I could put it that way, to find that victory. Because that's what it's all about, that victory. And I remember as a child when I started to play sports, my dad put me into a little league uh, uh, little league team and I remember as a child not knowing how to really swing the bat and not really knowing the uh, how to pick up the ball and where to throw it and where to deliver it and all those things you know I'm a kid I, I don't know the ins and outs on, on how to steal second base I don't I don't know who's on first right won't go to that route, but I, I don't know anything, but I do know that this is the uniform that I wear, and these are the group of te the, the teammates I have, and we're here to get ice cream afterwards. That's what I did know. But I learned at a very young age, and I even see it today in every team sport that comes together. Can I get your guys' help? Could you all stand up? You guys are my team for the moment. I know. Pastors using people again. What they did was, and they, they taught me this at a young age. The coach would scream and say, all right, come on in, guys. Let's gather around. All our hands in. Let's put our hands in. That's it. I remember this moment as I was growing up as a kid and thinking, oh, man, I'm the guy on the bottom. You guys are really heavy. I remember thinking, man, your hands are sweaty, by the way. I don't know whose hands that is. It's real sweaty. 
all I looked at. That's all I thought. But I remember the coach in there would come in and he'd put his giant paw right on top of everybody. And he'd say, all right, guys, victory on three, right? Ready? One, two, three, victory. And we would all run in different places not knowing where we were going. <laughs> Thank you, guys. You may be seated. But to this day, you can watch the most elite levels of sports and you'll see them come together and you will see them put all their hands in. And you'll hear somebody in the middle begin to make a chant. You will hear somebody in the middle to give direction. You will hear somebody in the middle just shout out, let's get the win. Let's get this victory together. And I like that, I like that feeling of what a team brings together. When a team of diverse individuals come together in unity to perform a task to find victory together, it is a wonderful thing to watch in its perfection. It's a wonderful thing in any type of team sport to see a team member own their role and play to that role with pure class. To see someone say, this is my spot and this is my area. I will make sure I will guard it, I will keep it, or I will score in it. Now, this is my area. It doesn't mean that this is my area as well. But they, they own their role. And I love that. And I love the leadership of these great teams and really, general managers as well who can overlook athleticism and also look on the character trait of people and say, will this person, even though he's super athletic, can he work with this person over here? Can he help develop this person to be a better player? And so on and so forth. It all comes together in unison and picking a team is as important as being a team. Some of sports organizations, of course, pay general managers top dollar because they have that ability to see beyond just athleticism. They see something inside of the person. They see a, a desire to learn and to work together. I love that type of person. And, and really, that's, that's a, if you have a great general manager, most likely you have a championship team. Jesus selected a powerful team. I love how Jesus decided to choose his team. And I, I want to call this team, Team Jesus. Let's just make it easy. You may hear myself refer to them. They were the apostles, as you may know. One may argue that Jesus picked 11 winners and one loser. But today, I, I want to say it's important to note that not every member of that team was equal in their talents. Some of this, these team members took time to develop their role. Some serve towards the front and some, some serve towards the back. You could say Peter was a front and center type of guy. He was that point guard type of mentality. Especially when you read about him in Matthew 16, verse 15. Jesus would ask this question, whom, do, whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter would answer and say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Wow, what a, what a, a challenge, number one, but what admiration in front of the whole team. 
you can probably guess just like with me, I'm assuming, because this is the way I look at it, I, I'm competitive. Anybody who likes team sports, deep down you're competitive. You may say you're not, but you're a liar. <laughs> We're all competitive in this nature. And I have no doubt those disciples were competitive. No doubt those apostles probably in that, more, in that moment was like, ah, oh, Peter, good one. Why didn't, I, why didn't I say, why didn't I say that? I mean, you see it in scripture, especially John. I love John and his competition he had with Peter. John was so petty that when he wrote his gospel, let's look at it, John 20 and 1. He's telling the story of, of, of going to the tomb and finding an empty tomb. John 20 and 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone uh, taken away from the sepulcher. This is, this is where it gets funny. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple, who's John in this story, whom Jesus loved. Right off the bat. Jesus didn't love Peter, but he loved this other disciple. And saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid them. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulcher. Verse 4. So they ran both together. I want, you, I want us to get this. We started at the same time. And the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. John. Why was that necessary? It's because there was competition inside of his heart. They were teammates, but let's be honest. They wanted to be number one on Team Jesus. And John wanted to know who was faster when it came to sprints. But I want to focus on one particular team member and his growth track. This particular team mem member undoubtedly felt dumb when he dropped the ball in this passage. John 14 and 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. That's a powerful passage. Philip. This is what Philip says. Lord, Show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. You can just see Jesus, Coach Jesus. Ah, oh, Philip. Didn't I just now tell you? He looks at him, and Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? No. I've been with you. I've been around you, near you, everywhere we go. You've seen me do the miraculous. I am, I just told you, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. When you see the Father, you see me. Yeah. Amen. And you ask me, show us the Father. You know, everybody in the team was like, yeah, show. Oh, yeah, that's dumb. Yeah, Philip. Yeah, Philip. He's right there. Glad I didn't say nothing. But 
Philip continued to listen to Jesus and the rest of his coaching, if I could put it this way. Verse 10 says, Believest thou not that I am the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I, sh I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Philip obviously dropped the ball in that moment, but also grew a level of understanding in that moment. A different Philip was birthed from that 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 defeat. And I, I want to just interject here that there are times in your spiritual walk where you feel like the ball got passed to you and you're wide open and you're ready to make the shot, but you give up an air ball. And everyone, and you're, you feel everyone's looking at you and saying, oh my God, why did we even give you the ball to begin with? That's okay. You're on team Jesus. We're going to win anyhow. We're going, I don't know if you read the back of the book, as that old song sings, we win, we win, we win. I read it in the back of the book. Praise God, we win. But let me just say this. Philip took it to heart and listened to that growth, that growth track, that moment that Jesus speaks to him directly. I want us to understand that as time went on, we see that Jesus has given his life, crucified. He died on the cross. He, he, he was buried in the tomb, but not many days later, we know that the tomb was, was open, and we see an empty tomb, and we know the story of Jesus walking and talking with his disciples, and we know the story of Jesus meeting with his followers and giving them a great commission to preach the word and, and, and reach out and, and spread the gospel, and we see this happen, and we know the events of, of what, what transpires afterwards as they tarry and wait in, in the, the book of Acts. And we find out in Acts 2, as we always go to, that there was the great outpouring of the Holy Ghost. All those in the upper room filled with this power like never before. The church began to blow up, as they say. Revival began to pour out of everybody's hearts and lives like never before. Teen Jesus was on the move. Team Jesus was winning in every single city. Team Jesus was winning championship after championship. But it wasn't until later there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the Libertines, the Cyrenians, and the Alexandrians. And they came together, and they didn't like what was going on, and they decided to go after the MVP of the year, which was Stephen. They find him, hunt him down in such a way where they desire to kill him and stone him in the public of, of everyone to see. In that very moment, Team Jesus took a hit. At least that's what members of that team thought. The Bible would say that there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And when people scatter, they thought the devil, let me tell you what the devil thought he won. But little did he know he was just spreading the gospel even further. Little did he know he was spreading Team Jesus into new places and new areas. And I bring our attention really back to our opening text in Acts 8. 
Acts 8 and 4 says, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Verse 5 is powerful. It says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. I love this Philip here. This Philip is a refreshed Philip. This is 2.0 Philip. This is a Philip that has been in the off season going to the gym and just working on his athleticism. This is, this is a Philip that has, 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 has found a foul, a, a foul shot like never before. This, this is a Philip who's been working in the post and, and just strengthening his craft. This, this is a Philip who's different than the Philip who, who literally asks, show us the Father, Jesus. Right. This is a Philip who now knows the Father and now knows his name and is equipped and empowered. This is a better, more athletic, and more character-driven Philip than ever before. This Philip has a greater understanding and a better, a better way of explaining the gospel. He has a revelation in him and he goes to Samaria to preach Christ. And I want us to pause here and understand wherever Christ is preached, God is delivered. Let me say that again. Wherever Christ is preached, God is delivered. We need to get that into our hearts. We need to get that into our understanding. I'm glad I got one person clapping with me today. But I promise you this. When you allow Christ to be preached in your life, you will see and know who God is. Every single time you see in Scripture, when Christ is preached, God is delivered. I I can just see Philip in this moment as he's preaching Christ. I can hear I, I can hear the echo of Christ's words in the back of his head saying, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. I can see that it, it just happening in the back of his head as Philip is preaching Christ. Because Philip preached Christ, this is what follows. We read in that text in Acts 8, 6 through 8. And I'll just jump around. We, we, when they're in one accord, gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. Hearing and seeing miracles begin to happen. Unclean spirits crying with a loud voice coming out of many that were possessed. Many taken with palsies and, and that were lame were healed. I love verse 8. There was great joy in the city. How powerful that truth is. How wonderful that is that we see miracles and we see, we see healing. We, we see depression and anxiety removed. We, we see overwhelming uh, a trust in God and His name. We, we see these signs and His wonders and we see and feel great joy in the city. Not just the church body, but in the city. I love what happens here because this is a story not for a church, but for a city. This is beyond Ephesus Church. This is, I'm talking about Columbia. I'm talking about a place where we need to reach and we need to touch. I want to see signs and wonders on the streets of, of Main Street and Gervais and, and, and Broad Street and Hoogar. I don't know if that's how you say it. Hugi, Hugi, Hugger, Chenham Road. 
I want to see, I want to see evil spirits cast out of homes and out of hearts and out of minds. I want to see depression defeated. I want to see anxiety defeated. I want to see pornography defeated. I want to see hurt defeated. I want to see these things crying out with a loud voice. I want to see these things. I want to see the lame walk, the down and out rise up. I want to see people run and dance in the church and give God all the glory because his name is preached. I want to be overwhelmed with a joy unspeakable and full of his glory. I want to have a joy that covers my life. A joy that looks at my problem and says, ain't no big deal. A joy that looks at my breakdown and says, that's all right. I'm here here today anyhow I want a joy that is great for this city not only was that happening but revelation of who Jesus was was happening so much so that they wanted to obey they wanted to come to God in repentance they trusted that if you come to an altar and lay down your sins and lay down your sorrows and lay down your burdens that there is a God named Jesus that can pick you up turn you around and put you into a water baptism change your life be buried in his name that's what I love there in Acts 8 and 12 when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God the name of Jesus Christ wow that when they believed they were baptized both men and women everybody was baptized Mm. both men and women That, that preaches differently in this day and age doesn't it were baptized. Baptism in Jesus' name happens when Christ is preached. Miracles happen when Christ is preached. Unclean spirits are cast out when Christ is preached. The paralyzed and the handicapped can be healed and great joy overwhelms the city when Christ is preached. All these things, as Philip would watch, are wonderful. And we need the miraculous to happen. We need, I'm telling you right now, you need to be delivered from hurt. You need to be delivered from anxiety. You need to be delivered from shame. You need to be delivered from these things that haunt your life. You need an absolute double dose of great joy. And my God, I speak to everybody in this room. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. You must. You must be baptized. There ain't no way around it. You must commit to the fact that I've got to have his name thrusted on my life. I need to go under the water for the remission, the aphesis. The aphesis of sins, the forgiving, the pardoning of sins, to be forgiven as though you never committed the crime. I want to live in that type of remission. I want to live with that type of real liberty. Those things are powerful and wonderful, but it ain't the victory. I know that's hard to explain, but Philip, he enjoyed all those things, but all those things were still not enough. See, Philip faced an issue in Samaria that I feel is very reminiscent of one that our churches face, even this one. See, Philip was happy to preach Christ, to see miracles. 
<laughs> Philip was excited to go to this area and share what he had inside of him. He knew, he, he remembered that moment Jesus, if I could put it this way, rebuked his, his free throw shot. Rebuked the way he, he did. No, you don't do it that way, Philip. You've got to know who I am. When he realized that instruction and realized that I can do the same works and greater works if I know who you are and trust your, he took that to heart and he went to that city preaching Christ and believing for things to happen. And I love what that city's seen. They've seen all the great things, but the same thing this church sees. It sees all the great things. It sees victories in our altars. It sees wonderful moments of us breaking through the spirit and feeling new levels of his presence. It, it feels all that we see people getting baptized in Jesus' name. We, we see all those things but I'm here to tell you it was not enough team Jesus got together said what's the score if I could put it this way let's look at the next few passages here is what happens as it breaks down Acts chapter 8 if you have those verses cued now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God they sent unto them Peter and John who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Because here's verse 16 is a powerful verse. Amen. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Meaning Samaria had not received the Holy Ghost yet. It even makes the point here. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. We'll pause there. See, these apostles came together and said, what's the score in Samaria? Because the victory wasn't complete yet. It wasn't done yet. They said, oh, we got miracles. Oh, I saw that. That's, that was a great three-pointer right there when we needed it. We saw, oh, 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 there was that, that lame man over there. Remember, he, he, he got up and walked. I love that. That's okay. Good job. Good job. Good defense. Good defense. Good defense. Oh, they could just see it panning out. Just, all right, but what's the score? Well, well, we're, we're coming down the home stretch. It's almost there, but what's the score? Well, we've all been baptized, but we, we haven't got the Holy Ghost yet. We haven't got, we haven't experienced the Spirit in our lives yet. We haven't had the outpouring. It, they've all been baptized now. They've all, men and women, let me tell you, they all jumped in. They're all part of it. They got that t-shirt, born, born to life. Raised again. Yeah. Free video if you get this. Uh-oh. Here we see this city full of great joy. And let me just say this. We cannot stop at just great joy. Right. <laughs> we cannot come to a place in worship and say, I've got my good feeling. And that's enough. Great joy is not salvation. I want to say great joy is not salvation. Great joy really it means just unloading things. I've had I've worked a hard day's work. I've carried a load of stuff in my hands before, and as soon as I got to unload it, I felt pretty good. 
joyful. I'm not caring. That's what that was. This city was carrying some things and they got to release those things. And when they released those things, they felt joy because of it. But they weren't filled with the Holy Ghost yet. But this is what Philip and Team Jesus understood. That in order to win our city, to get the victory, D-I-C-T-O-R-Y, to get that victory in our city, they had to come together and get all hands in. All right. Look what happens. We're going to read the rest of this verse. 8, 8 and I believe 17. Then laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. When Peter and John got there, how can we help? What is our role? Philip said, hey, come in here. I've did this. I preached Christ. We've had miracles. We've had healings, signs and wonders, great joy. I've baptized them, but I can't go any further. I need your help. And they said, oh, we're here to help. I've got a hand of steadfastness I'm going to throw in. I've got a hand of passion I'm going to put in. I'm going to put all our hands in in order to bring this game home. And I want us to grasp what I'm trying to preach here. Your pastor may just be a Philip, and I'm okay with that. But I believe in this church, without a shadow of doubt, there are the hands of Peter and John. As the song was singing, they were talking about, I got the victory. I kept thinking, God, release the hands of Peter and John in my church. I've done everything I possibly could to preach Christ to you to say Jesus is alive and he's real to preach to you that he is the way the truth and the life when you see him you see the father if you need him he's just a cry out if you want to touch by him you've got to go to him I've preached repentance I've preached baptism I've preached the Holy Ghost but I've come to a conclusion that in order for us to get the victory, I need your help. Yeah. I need your hands for this city. I need you to say, I want the victory too. I want God to use me the way he has set me up for. I want you to know this. I just, I really, really believe this. I struggle. I struggle to ask myself, do I have the Holy Ghost if I'm not operating in the Holy Ghost? Just, just coming to the altar and speaking in tongues and crying and weeping before the Lord. Yes, God may have filled you, but are you using the gift God gave you? Are you using the victory that he's trying to get our city to have? We've got to go beyond just great joy. We've got to, we cannot be content with just miracles. We cannot be content with just the healing and the lame walking and, and just signs and wonders and just the baptism in Jesus' name. We need the Holy Ghost. We need it with everything inside of us. We need to be baptized in His Spirit. I love, and I love, I love, I love that it wasn't Peter that said it. It wasn't Paul that said it or John that said it. It was Jesus who said it. Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Come on. 
We got to get that in our spirit today. I can't stop at just the great joy. I can't stop at just the goosebumps. We haven't won yet. That isn't victory. Let's all stand this morning. Don't get me wrong. I desire miracles. I believe my dad today is a miracle. I believe, his, I believe your prayers and my prayers have entertained God to heal my dad and strengthen him through his, his surgery. I believe that. I believe that there are people in here. I know, let me just say this with a fact. There's some people who I've personally met with when you got in church here and gave you personal Bible studies. And I watched anxiety control your heart and your mind, control your decision. And I'm telling you right now that I've seen God deliver you from some of those anxieties. I've seen God. I'm telling you right now that he casts things out of hearts and our minds. And I want to see him continue. I want to see sickness healed. I want to, I want to feel great joy. I want to feel the, the lifting of my burdens. I want to feel that. I can't wait to I can't wait to dunk the next person in the name of Jesus. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. But I, your pastor, needs your hands. The hands of Peter and John are in this church. I I, I absolutely believe that. comes down to it we've got to come together in unity we've got to want, want the same victory together I pray I pray today this morning as I prayed God as we come together this altar begin to pray for each other I pray that a member of ours would just rest their hand on somebody and somebody be filled with the Holy Ghost I only got two hands I already got two hands and tell you what I'm speaking to the liar right now in the house you're not welcome here the lie that you spoke that into the hearts of these people that they're not worthy enough is a lie that they don't have the Holy Ghost inside them the ability to be used by God greater work shall you do if you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church, or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 